Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, presented exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We're recording this on Monday, February 13th, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Make sure you get things for your ladies. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, we will talk to Mersey Sardarpy, Liverpool are back, Arsenal entering early Squeaky Bum Time, and Man United title contenders. Again? Eh, maybe not. But first, my two favorite things in the whole world. VAR and City Slander. Let us get to it. Uh, but first, housekeeping. Please like, share, subscribe to the show. It means everything to us. I'm appreciative of all you people who watch the show. Tony, Mike, John, Manny. Dimas, Christian, everyone who listens to the show, I appreciate you on a regular basis. Uh, BJ, Mike Salerno, of course, the legend lives in our minds forever. Please like and review the show. Uh, first things first, VAR controversies all across the league, everywhere, all the time. Uh, one in the Arsenal game where it was a ball into the mixer, back and forth, in and out, back and forth, in and out. Uh, they don't use VAR to check offside because it was taking too long because there was too much going on. Of course, that makes sense because why have VAR if it's going to take too long? And then the, a second one, um, a handball by Suchek in the West Ham game where Suchek puts his arm on the ground. Is he offside? Did he do it on purpose? Blah, 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 handball. They don't call it. You've seen them given, as they say. And then in the venerable m23 derby that was a 1-1 draw brighton has a shot on goal estupian was fantastic in this game he gets put through by McAllister. they call him offside on what's a perfectly good goal because guess what they drew the offside lines in the wrong place isn't that wonderful uh, I know John Santana in our WhatsApp group is always arguing for VAR and life changes and things change. And we have to accept, you know, the growth of sport and the growth of everything. But it's not good for sport. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. We follow sport not for precision, but for accuracy. And the referees, I don't care what anyone says, they're really good. They do a great job. They actually get these things right. When you think about what's going on, who's on the field, how it's happening, the speed it's happening, the fact that they get anything right is shocking. So these guys are the best of the best. I don't care. You can say no, fine. Or maybe they're not. They're the best in England, at least. And they get a lot of things right. And I don't think we need VAR, honestly. People are going to complain about things anyway. It seems people are getting them wrong anyway. What is the fucking point? Again, who is it for? Why do we have it? What is it there for? For whose benefit? Who is benefiting from this? Gamblers? Fans? So that they can say they're doing the right thing? TV? Is it so that people have something to watch on TV? I don't understand it. The rules of the game are clear. The referee is there to manage the entertainment, the passion, and the flow of the game. When we try and go for precision, we lose sight of what sport is about, which is competition and humanity. I just came from the zoo, of the zoo, excuse me, from the circus with my daughter and wife. We had a great time. 
And why am I bringing up the circus? Because it's a lost art that's disappearing. People juggling, people jiving, people doing physical activity that's amazing. And we've lost it for the sake of, oh, I can go watch a Marvel movie. What I saw was human beings doing amazing things. And when we downgrade things into a different mode of life where we're just digitizing and trying to find precision in everything for a thing that's imprecise, it's humanity. I want the humanity. I don't care about... I'm at this point where I don't care about the wins and losses, whether it's perfect. When people watch football and complain about the referees, really they're complaining about the fact that they don't have control. And the referee is the only thing you see that you feel like you can control. You can't control it. It's men running on grass with a round ball and there's 11 of them. You're never going to get it all right. It's all subjective and we should just accept it and live in the moment. Live in the natural life that was designed in the 1880s for this weird game with arbitrary rules that just is. Be in the moment. Enjoy your team. Let go. It doesn't have to be right. Enjoy the moments. Enjoy the Aguero goal again. Enjoy, um, enjoy Istanbul again. Enjoy all of it. Because if we had had VAR, they would have been checking those moments and they would have been ruined. Enjoy Ali in, in 1999. You think they wouldn't have checked if that was offside with, with all that, with Teddy Sheringham? Of course they would have. And he would have been off. Or a foul on Schmeichel. Or countless other moments that would have been ruined by the stoppage of play. Football is beautiful because it moves. Football is beautiful because it is alive. It just keeps going. And the energy and the fans push it forward. We don't need to have replay. Unless... I like technology. I work in technology unless it cannot disrupt the flow and the moments. If they can call it immediately, I'm all for it. But until it can't be called immediately, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, so that's my VAR. And then um, on City, I know no one wants to talk about this, but I fucking, it's something interesting that's happening. When you are a person who has allegiance to a club, and this happens, this is the nature of sport. You get so attached to it, like I am with City, that you can't stop but fighting. I want to defend it because in some way, it's me. I'm the club. I'm City. It's my team. As much as I said the other day, I don't care and I don't want to defend Mansoor, you can't help it. There's a human condition that grabs you and pulls you into this silly thing where I, I feel like I've got to defend City at every turn and I'm I'm pushing this and Liverpool fans that and look at this financial issue and look at that one and and all these things. And I just got into a whole rant about City just wanted to win. We wanted to spend money to win. We just wanted to win. Just like Lance Armstrong just wanted to win. He took he doped. The whole sport was dirty. He just wanted to win. That's the argument for some of these things. Financial doping, what does that even mean? We just wanted to win. We wanted to stop Manchester United from winning all the time. I was looking at the um, at the top five leagues. There's a, an FB ref. You can see a history of all the top five leagues. And it really happens around 2008 when Bayern and Juve really take off. And I think that if it weren't for City, United would have just kept winning or Chelsea would have just kept winning. They were in line for those teams to just keep winning and winning without any competition to them. And thank God City 
cheated, whatever we did. Otherwise, the hegemony of those teams would still be there. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I just think without the PSGs and Chelsea's and cities of the world, the teams would have been the same over and over again, just like they are in Italy, just like they are in Germany, just like they are in France, frankly, because there's no one pushing. At least in the Premier League, United is there to push. At least there's there's Chelsea to push and Arsenal have and Liverpool who have all their legacy and can push a nouveau riche team like City. But City needed to push them. Anyway, I feel crazy about having to defend it, but I'll keep defending it anyway. Let's go to the scores uh, right now just to get a sense of where we are. So f- uh, Saturday early, West Ham won, Chelsea won. Not a great result for my friend Graham Potter. Then Fulham defeated Nottingham Forest. We knew Forest winning on the road is impossible. Didn't help when both um, McKenna and Bali went off in the first five minutes from central defense. Then Southampton loses after being up a goal to Wolves. Up a goal, Wolves down to 10, and they lose, and that costs um, the manager his job. Then... And if I say then again, I'm fired. Arsenal 1-1 against Brentford. They're slipping. They're blipping. They're in trouble. Arsenal get bullied by Ivan Tony and the boys from Brentford on another VAR controversy. Oh, more VAR controversy you want? Palace won. Brighton won the M23 derby. Brighton were bossing this game. Crystal Palace, eh, I don't know. Vieira's getting a pass. Then mighty Leicester. Back-to-back four-goal games. They smashed Tottenham. Oh, my God, did they smash Tottenham. Betancourt goes out. Eric Dyer is cooked. What a fucking catastrophe. Then we ended Saturday 1-1, United, uh, Newcastle United versus Bournemouth. Gary O'Neill's a good manager. I don't care. Bournemouth are pretty good. Uh, they'll go down, but they're still pretty good. Newcastle still can't find goals, goals, goals. Although Almiron did score one. Then on Sunday, Leeds nil, United 2 on the back-to-back on their home-and-home home with Leeds. I thought Leeds were good. They could have won this game. But no, United and Marcus Rashford score goals. Then City are back. City smash Villa 3-0 in the first half. Win it 3-1 at home. Looking good. Bernardo Silva playing left back. Pep crazy. And then today in the Merseyside derby, Liverpool 2, Everton 0. Those were the scores. But we are going to go to the great North London and watch Arsenal collapse in real time. No, no, no. It's not a collapse. Uh, I think what's happening with Arsenal, let's just go through it really quickly. Um, Trossard scores the early goal coming on for Martinelli. Really nice pass. Really nice goal. Trossard gets onto it, lashes it home on a great cross from Saka. Then the controversial goal, Tony across from, uh, oh God, let me me see who it is. The cross comes in from uh, Christian Norgard. And Pinnock, uh, actually it's Norgard and Pinnock are, are batting the ball around. Pinnock with the really high up header. Then Norgard, who's offside, uh, pats it back to Tony, who hits it in. It goes all over the place, and Tony scores it. Um, and it's 1-1. Um, never really held on, for to be fair, to uh, Brentford. Brentford had one other good chance from Tony that he probably should have scored on 39 and then the other shots, not too many on goal that you would have thought were game-winning goals. But again, Brentford came in. You know how Brentford is going to play. They're going to come and kick you in the face. 
ass and mouth, and they did that. And um, they're good. They're 10 unbeaten. While Arsenal, we talked about on week match week 19, were on 50 points at halfway, and now they're only on 51. <laughs> so they're having a hard time kicking on from getting to that 50-point mark. They're really only on 51 in their last two games. They've only earned one point, a loss to Everton, and now a draw. So they've allowed City back into this one. A uh, couple things I think about this. I don't think that Arsenal are playing badly. I don't think anything's wrong. I just think, you know, it's hard to win the fucking Premier League. And you can't just run the same group out there all season. One guy did it. I remember Antonio Conte when he won the league with Chelsea. He ran the same 11 out there all season, but he had no Europe at all. And John Terry uh, played every game and every minute. But I don't think you can do that with this team. This is a, you know, mental strength is the other component. You know, you have the physical skills, you have the technical skills, you have the confidence. And then the last part is that mental fortitude of having done it. Every step past for Arsenal is getting further and further into the unknown. And I think, you know, Arsenal are feeling it in this moment, you know, and Ketia came in and held them up, but now they need an infusion. Trossard helped. He got a goal, right? He's trying to contribute, but now they need another another step. They need to go up again and level again. And that's the question we have for Arsenal now. Can they go again after having this blip, getting punched in the mouth by Everton, and now getting punched in the mouth by uh, Ivan Tony and Brentford? These are two teams that are physical, that came at Arsenal and really gave them a, a hard kick. And I wonder if Arsenal have the steel to pick themselves up one more time and they're going to be tested. Their next match is against my beloved Manchester City and I worry for them. I think if they lose this game, they will be in deep trouble. Uh, very weird season. I do want to give a little bit more love to the great and powerful Fulham who now sit in eighth. Uh, eight wins, 10 draws, four losses. So eight and four. That's really good. They're a plus seven on 34. Solidly, London teams doing really, really well. Just an incredible performance by uh, Thomas Frank and his boys. So many good players that are playing in Brentford. And I think the question we should have is, what player from Brentford would you want on your side? We know Tony, but is he a product of Long balls going to him. Can he get the ball at his feet? Uh, which one of those midfield players would you want? Is it Norgard or 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 one of the defenders? Ben Mee, Ethan Pinnock, coming from the lower divisions, coming from Dulwich Hammett. Unbelievable. I mean, Ethan Pinnock is is their primary central defender. He's so physical, had an amazing tackle on Enketia when he had a turn and go through. So really good performances are all around for them. Who would you want from their team? I know who I would want. I'd like the midfielders. They're pretty good, and I like um, I like the fullbacks as well. So uh, on the on the VAR controversy, it's 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 a fake controversy. This is a ball into the mixer. It goes off of three or four heads, and somewhere in there, there was an offside. I grant you that. But is that the spirit of the law? Is that what we want? Do we want the fact that Arsenal would have been got off the hook because their players were too small and unable to fight for the ball that was, as it was playing head tennis around. It wasn't a beautiful goal, but Arsenal, if you want to win the league, you go get it and push it out. 
it was three different bounces that you want him to get off the hook on a marginal offside. What are we, Spain? This is England. This is the home of football. This is where you separate the men from the boys. This is fighting for goals. Yes, Norgard had his back foot offside. There were 20 guys in the box. That's what we want VAR for? I'm not having it. Brentford deserved that goal, whether it was that one or another one. They should have gotten a draw. It would have been harsh had they called that offside. And that's what I mean earlier in my VAR rant. We we had a goal. We had we had Tony going over to the side for Sergi Canos, whose mom died and he was his teammate, no longer on the team because he wanted to play. And we would have called that off because some guy. I just don't agree with it. I think it's a bad idea. I'm over it. I just unless VAR can go, if you can't fix it in 30 seconds, we're not fixing it. I don't want it because it really takes away from the thing that I love most about football. And Arsenal fans, yes, you can complain. You can complain. Everyone thinks their team is hard done. Again, it's because we don't have control. We want to control everything, and a referee feels like something we can control. But you can't control it. Maybe there was a run that wasn't seen. Maybe there was a ball that was a fraction offside, a ball that hit a post, a guy that would have been played in. Those you don't see. You don't worry about those. But a call you control, and we made that into a thing. I just think it's a bad idea. It's a bad precedent, and I don't want anything to do with it. Um, we move on to my beautiful and beloved Manchester City. Great performance. I was so fucking grateful for this. What did I say? If City scores in the first 15 minutes to win the game, what did they do? They scored a goal in the first five minutes. Rodri cuts in front. City, sneaky, a good set piece team, get their goal early, uh, and then they're able to cruise uh, in this game. S Pep went with all the old boys. No new boys. I mean, we have Holland, Mares, Grealish. But then where it gets weird is we have Laporte, Diaz, and Walker, but no left back. So Bernardo Silva, I guess, is the left back. It's The formation is like a 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, weird formation, a box in the middle. Uh, and, and Bernardo Silva was just incredible. Pep solved his, hey, how do I figure out how to find more control in the midfield? without taking off Holland, and he just decides, well, I'll just play an extra midfielder, and they'll be the fucking fullback. So rather than play a left back, he just played Bernardo, who shuttled back and forth <laughs> between being in the midfield and being a fullback. Just an incredible performance from Bernardo. If you see his touch map, it's incredible. But City scored their goals pretty easy. Rodri, then a really nice one from Gundogan. Shockingly, City played a ball over the top. What do you know? Holland gets on it. He's his face, his back's to goal. So he spins around and fires an amazing cross to Gundogan. Reminded me of the Aston Villa goal to win the league. God love him. Uh, and then Riyad Mahrez on a penalty that Jack Grealish drew on uh, young Jacob Ramsey. Poor guy. Uh, he clicked his heels and then Mahrez put that through. And that's when I knew something was wrong with Holland. Holland didn't take the penalty, which meant he was hurting. So City were up three and cruising. But the more interesting part of this game was the defiance from Pep in his press conferences, just coming out, guns blazing, all takers, naming names, being like, I know what eight teams wanted us to get kicked out of the Premier League. And he's like, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, Liverpool. Just calls him out. Then he calls out Stevie G. He's like, did Manchester City make Steven Gerrard slip? I love this career, but that wasn't on us. So just going through everything and just being defiant and owning all the wins that City got 
And I think it it galvanized the team. I think there was a little bit of oomph that came from City, a little bit of like, you know what, siege mentality. The city, the city fans were singing really loud. They brought the flares out when the team showed up. They were singing fuck the Premier League. So we used to sing fuck UEFA, fuck the Champions League theme song. And now we're going to sing it for the for the Premier League theme song. So, you know, any song you have that's the establishment, City's just putting their middle finger up. And I don't blame them. You know what? If they're after you, don't apologize. Just go scorched earth. And that's what City's going to do. Uh, I think one of the things that I think about with the obstruction pieces, I think these investigators have been just asking for everything. And City's like, I'm not giving you that. Why should I give you that? There's nothing in there. I said I didn't have it. Fuck you. Go with what you have. I'm not giving you stuff so you can find something on me. Anyway, City are fantastic. Really good performance. And going in feeling strong for the match against Arsenal. Just such an important, important game. Just like, I cannot tell you how worried I was a month ago about, or two months ago, about City uh, playing Arsenal. We're catching Arsenal right at the right time. They're on a downturn or a worried turn or, or something like that, where City have just kind of been like, okay, we took it in the mouth. We're bleeding in the mouth. We got Ruben Diaz back. Ruben Diaz, by the way, was fantastic in this game. The tackle he puts on Leon Bailey is just brutal, savage, and something no other city defender does. There's no physicality. Like Everyone just backs off and kind of is like, oh, we're not supposed to tackle. Ruben doesn't care. He fucking tackles. This is a guy who was PFA player of the year. So, you know, when City won the league in the, in the, um, in the bubble season. So City go into the game against Arsenal feeling good that game's on wednesday feeling good feeling strong feeling like themselves feeling defiant feeling like no one can beat them uh arsenal go in limping questioning whether the thing that they do is the thing that they do uh i think the only question here for city is how do they play because uh holland might be hurt i don't think that hurts city frankly because city haven't been playing well with holland anyway he's kind of not contributing to the buildup because he's always up top. So City might be able to play with more control and have a little bit of a headache removed from playing Holland because he seems to be uh, a little bit of a missing thing. Um, Foden got back into the game. Maybe Foden will play at the nine, at the false nine. I don't know. But I think City wins this game. They go level with Arsenal having a game in hand. And despite how bad this season has been for City, which it hasn't, of course, it's only been about the performances. I think if City win this game, Arsenal in trouble, real trouble. Uh, it becomes a statement. It becomes uh, a moment. Uh, one of the moments of the season will be Wednesday. Uh, so we'll find out what happens. You know, if if Arsenal win, it's less damning because it's just three points for City to have to come back from. So they'll drop back down into six points behind. It'll shock us uh it'll be sad uh but i don't think that city will feel like they can't win but it'll give be a huge boost for arsenal arsenal will feel like oh my god we we dodged one but arsenal are gonna have more moments they have to suffer i know no one thinks that this is a real thing but in order to win the premier league you have to suffer think about city in 2011 they dropped games down the stretch uh they almost blew it against qpr it gets very very tight 
This show's not called Squeaky Bump Time for no reason. Things get difficult down the stretch. Really difficult. You have to look around for leaders. And you have to look around for people who've done it before. For Arsenal, they're going to be looking to Zinchenko and Gabriel and Thomas Partey. I guess he won in Spain. And Zinchenko. And, yeah, and they really have to find those moments. Who's won a trophy on Arsenal? Not many players, maybe an FA Cup here or there. So it's going to be tough. Uh, and Ars- and City's whole squad, there's no non-winners. They're all winners, um, except for Holland in a weird way. Everyone else is is a big winner. So I'm looking very much forward to that. And how Pep brings this team together, I have no idea. <laughs> Speaking of uh, teams that are back, uh, we do have uh, our friends from Liverpool coming back together. Um, they did not look good until they scored their goal. Uh, they were a little disjointed. Uh, it was at home. The crowd was up for it. Uh, and just before Salah scored the goal on 36, Everton had had a set piece. Tarkovsky misses the goal. He hits the post. And when I say that this break was beautiful, it was fantastic. It really was. They So it pops out after it hits the post. It pops out to McNeil, who tries to take another shot. He doesn't quite miss it. He's off target. Um, And then Darwin Nunez just flies, grabs the ball. I think there was a pass before, and I'm not sure who it was. Maybe it was Bastic. I can't remember. But Nunez takes it, flies downfield, gets it back to Salah, who then uh, gives it back to him. And they just do a give and go on the run and on the move. And it just becomes a race. Uh, and Salah, I, to his credit, puts it away. But on that thing, Jordan Pickford just goes running around to someone else. But it's an incredible shot. Like six six um, Liverpool players come flying forward on this break. And from there, you know, Liverpool go into the break up a goal. Gakbo gets a nice goal from Robertson and Salah after that. And then, you know, once it's up to... There's really nothing for Everton to do. Ellis Sims was an interesting player who played for Everton, a unit of a dude, a giant striker who'd been on loan at um, at Sunderland and had been playing well. He had seven goals in 17 games, doing really well for them. Uh, shame that Sunderland lose him, but it looks like Soren Dyche was like, hey, I got no transfers. Bring me this unit. He's six foot three. He's a monster. Uh, he didn't really get into it, but he was there early, took a shot early and was trying to put himself about Interesting to see a, a new striker, and I wonder what Neil Mopé thinks, although he did come on later uh, trying to you know, do his thing where he tries to steal your girlfriend. Uh, this was a big game for Liverpool. Like I can't, can't deny that winning a Merseyside derby is a big deal for Liverpool, but uh, Klopp was well into it. We got to see Jota come back. We got to see Firmino come back. So maybe this is... Um, so, so maybe this is a moment for Liverpool to lift themselves up again. Like I said earlier, maybe a couple episodes ago, Liverpool and Klopp live on emotion and positivity and optimism, and they've got to have it. Um, Klopp has been very negative and defensive in his press conferences, and he's down. Like The team lives on mood. It's like literally a vibes team. When Liverpool's vibes are good, they're just irresistible, and you love them. And I'll admit it. They're very charismatic and attractive team when they're playing at their best, when they're shit-talking and Robertson's fighting with Pickford in 87, they start laughing in each other's faces. All that stuff really lifts Liverpool up. And and Klopp did his fist pumps at the end 
and he needed it. They needed it. They were in such bad form. They're still 10th or 9th or whatever. Um, and, you know, for, for Everton, though, they just have to feel like, okay, this wasn't our game. They played well for a half. I thought Onana, Ducore, and Gay did the best they could. But, you know, after a while, they just didn't seem to have it. Uh, the goal that that Gakbo scored, Kiner Cody probably could have blocked it. Seamus Coleman was getting run ragged, the poor guy. I love him. I've always loved him. Uh, but he just couldn't hang uh, with Nunez in the pace of, of Liverpool. So we find out what Liverpool's made of. You know, they're getting guys back. They're lifting themselves up. They had their UEFA, it wasn't our fault thing come through. Uh, nothing's Liverpool's fault, as we know. Um, but they move on. And for Everton, they're still in a relegation zone. So leads are safe for now. But they do have to try and get out of it. They do play leads next. Is that true? They do. So this is a six-pointer. They have leads in Aston Villa, games that they'll want to try and win especially the one they're both at home. I think they'll want at least four from those two. So a win and a draw, um, or at least one win from Leeds and Aston Villa would do. Two would be amazing. They really going to need at least one from these two home games. Then they're away to Arsenal, away to Forest, which will be tough. And then home to Brentford. So what can they get out of these? I'm not sure, but that takes them into uh, the beginning of March. You know, we'll see what Dyche can bring to this team. I believe in them. I believe in Dyche. He'll find a way. Uh, it just was unfortunate. Once the goal went in from Salah, they kind of lost their edge. And the fans started singing, you're going down. And and the thing just turned on them. And they just couldn't get another foothold in the game. So we'll see what happens with Everton. But again, in the relegation zone, on 18, one point behind Leeds. Uh, Leeds, I believe, still have a game in hand. But it is tricky for them yeah lead yes no they're even on games now so leads caught up with their got their game in hand everton sitting on 18 leads on 19 in the relegation zone so there's that wow crazy town um let's go to our friends in uh manchester united who play the second time against leads um I th- I watched a lot of this game. I thought Leeds were worth it. They thought they they pressed again. They did the same kind of fighting and and bittiness that they did to um to to United in the first game, and they did win the XG battle. I know we all love XG, uh, but you know Michael Skubala was coaching Leeds. Leeds still have no coach because you know why do you need a coach? Uh, it seems they were a little bit weird with this firing of uh firing of their coach. Early in the game, Crescencio and Bamford both took shots. Bamford, another shot, got blocked. And Somerville, you know, in the first half, this was really about Leeds. And Leeds had most of the run in play, honestly. They were the one who looked like they were going to win this game. Against the run of play, Luke Shaw on an amazing cross gets into Rashford, and he just heads it home. No problem. Uh, I thought a little bit of the defending was weird. The spacing between the two defenders really threw things off. Uh, the change to bring on Garnacho for Sancho and Lissandro Martinez for Malesia changed how United played because it brought Luke Shaw out onto the wing, changing their formation. So Shaw, who's a fullback, had been playing in center back, which was a weird thing that they 
played Maguire and Shaw together. But Shaw, once Shaw was able to go back into position, he was able to do the service. It's his ball that gets onto Rashford, and Rashford puts it away. Rashford, on fire. I mean, good for him. Uh, then Garnacho right after that. On the pass was from Veghorse. So Veghorse became a provider dropping in so that um, Rashford and Garnacho could run onto him. It was a really good pass from Veghorse to set Garnacho free. And it's so fast. I really like Garnacho. Um, you know, and for, for United, they pick up points. But again, listen, friends, they're not in this title race because of performances like they had with Leeds. Any other day, Leeds would have scored. Any other day. Uh, I just don't think that they have enough depth. They still have lots of games where they're just sort of sitting deep and hanging on. And luckily, other teams aren't beating them. You know, I, whenever they come up against a better team, you get the sense that United are going to lose. Uh, because they they do play well and they have a way of playing. So it's not to diminish them. It's not to, to say that they've stunk or whatever. But I just don't see in the underlying numbers in how they play whenever I watch United that they're controlling these games. They're hanging in. They're playing well. Uh, and their XG does sort of show that. They're on plus 7, XG plus 10. Like if you look at the top four, City's on plus 28 gold difference. United, City's on plus 34. Arsenal's on plus 28. In third is United on plus 10. And then... Newcastle on plus 22. So United are really in line with more of a Brighton and a Liverpool on plus 10 than where they are. So they've been getting more points than their play suggests. Now, that's great for them. The points are in the bank. There's nothing you can say about that. So it's not to diminish what they've been doing, but they've been lucky. Uh, not lucky, sorry. They've been they've crafted their own luck. They finished when the chances they've had. But I don't think that Marcus Rashford is going to score like a 35-goal scorer. So he's been doing everything for them, scoring the goals they need. I just don't think that they're on for the title. They'll drop points again. There's just no doubt about it. They're not ready yet. I don't think any United fan should think it. But you never know. Anything is possible. Sancho coming in is a big deal. If they can get him going, maybe he's another goal scorer. I just don't think they're ready for that leap in battle. Uh, speaking of a team that's starting to not look like they're ready, uh, Newcastle goes down to the longest trip you can take from Newcastle to Bournemouth in the Eddie Howe Derby, and they just kind of lay an egg. Again, they've drawn four out of their last five. They're still unbeaten in like 17. Like Newcastle don't lose, but now they're not winning. <laughs> so uh, I thought Bournemouth were really game for this game. They played really well. So Gary O'Neill, who we've tipped – as a team to go down, they did get Solanke back. I think I talked about it in their preview, but they're just drawing too many games now. Like I said, four of their last five, just drawing, 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 drawing. They have Liverpool next, then Brighton. Those are two tough games, both at home, so that should help them. But, you know, they got to start getting wins. Come on, Eddie Howe, get a win. Um, just not creative enough. Uh, I think the Bruno thing has made a difference. Like I said, Bruno Gimares, incredible player, uh, a player that any team would want on their side. Maybe Liverpool should try and steal him. Hey, you never know. Uh, but Gimares is great. Newcastle, keep their powder dry. They're not slipping too much 
because no one around them has really kicked on. Like, yes, United slowly but surely got past them. And yes, um, Tottenham are still there, but Tottenham have been losing so much. Uh, and they're right in line. They're, Nick Pope, amazing season, made another great save to save a goal in this one. But Bournemouth, I think, showed something to me. The problem they have, they got Solanke back. So let's go back down into the relegation zone. Gary O'Neill had them playing hard. They were good. Um, they didn't get a they get a draw, so they are level on 18 with Everton. And like I said, there are four down here that I just think are going down between Leeds, Everton, Bournemouth, and and Southampton. You gotta think Bournemouth and Southampton are going down because of the talent. And then Everton are too good. Leeds are young. West Ham, no way. Wolves, no way. Not with Lopetegui. And then I guess my guess here is. Perhaps Forrest could get sucked back down, but they've got a five-point lead, so maybe not. They are, they they've shipped a lot of goals, but can they get themselves back into it? Um, they do. They have the best goal difference, xG goal difference of the teams in the bottom three, and that matters because that tells you where they really are. Uh, Southampton's we know about Bazuno, who's just awful. They're on XG of 29, but giving up 40. They need a new keeper. What are you doing, Southampton? So Everton and Bournemouth sit at the bottom. And then our friends from Crystal Palace, their underlying numbers are in the relegation zone. So Palace have been secretly slipping. And I wonder if Forrest are on 24 and Palace are on 25, could Palace get dragged in? They really have not been playing well. Winless in their last six with three draws. Stranger things have happened, um, but you know we'll see what happens there. Uh, I still think it's Bournemouth, Southampton. It's that third slot for relegation. I don't know what's going to happen. And then, like I said, for going up, Burnley are nailed on. They're 18 points clear, 10-game winning streak. They won again 3-0 this weekend. So Vincent Company's boys and Burnley will definitely be coming up to see all our friends in the Premier League. Um want to give a little bit of a, a shout to our friends at Leicester. Brendan Rodgers, baby. If you were auditioning for the job against Spurs, uh, I think you'd get it. Conte still recovering from his gallbladder surgery, but a really, really bad performance from Spurs. Just looking old, looking slow, looking lost, um, defensively just all over the shop, just getting ripped to pieces. Uh, they get an early goal from Rodrigo Betancourt, who then injures himself later in the game and will miss the rest of the season with an ACL. So Rodrigo on 65 comes off, and that's the last you'll see of him. But the first goal from the, from Mendy was just a laser beam uh, that got past Fraser Foster. I do want to say... They really need Hugo Lloris or another keeper. Fraser Foster looked like a tree getting cut down when he was diving for balls. And a lot of these goals, they look like they're good goals. But I think another keeper might have got one of them, maybe two of them, because he's bad. They just kind of go through him or he's kind of slow. So maybe these goals are not quite as good as they thought they were. Because Fraser Foster just looked really bad. Maybe it'll take him time to get back up to speed again because he hasn't been playing. 
But Mendy's goal was great. Then Iannaccio just bossing everything on the break, on a turnover, uh, puts in Madison. Then Iannaccio again from Harry Suter. This is a ball in from defense. And Iannaccio on right at the end of halftime just stands Dyer up. Dyer doesn't close him down. He's slow-footed. He literally stops moving at the top of the 18-yard box, does some flicks with his feet, then just leaves Dyer in the dust and fires in a goal. I mean, just some ridiculous shit that went on in this game. And then Harvey Barnes scores one late after missing one uh, earlier from a weird offside call. So uh, just a 4-1 complete performance by the great and powerful Leicester, who have clearly gotten themselves off the schneid. Um, Danny Ward is now not terrible. Uh, having Madison back, goal and assist for him, he's not terrible. Uh, Harvey Barnes, always good. And I've always liked Kelechi Iannaccio. Still only 26 from the City Academy because City were just buying players. Oh, no, we actually sold players, too, and made good players for the league. So we set up the academy and spent money on that, too. I'm just going to keep throwing that sort of shit in. Kelechi Iannaccio, probably... Definitely Lester's best player down the stretch last season. We talked about him, Mike and I, as a nine and a half. That was our funny joke because he can play. He's got a, a Harry Kane quality to him. Not so much with his back to goal where he flicks the ball around the corner, but he can play deep and play people in, or he can take goals on and come in and score like that. So I really like Ihanacho as well. And then Harry Suter is just a unit. If you remember um, Australia in the World Cup with their giant six foot five center back, he's just a pure goon. He makes a huge difference for the defense of um, of of Leicester. They got a left back in Christensen and Suter and Vout Weiss. They just needed to rebuild that defense, or maybe you know, maybe uh, maybe Rogers shouldn't have left Soyuncu in the doghouse so long. I'm sure he's now gone somewhere else. But it looks like Spurs' season slipping. They still have the Champions League. They're down in AC Milan. They still are in the FA Cup. Uh, they've just got to find a way to get themselves back in action. I do feel bad for Conte. His best friend died. Now his gallbladder is out. So maybe they're not getting the best from Conte, and maybe he wants to leave. Maybe Spurs for Brendan Rodgers. You heard it here first. Maybe Rodgers for Spurs. I think that would be a good step for him because then it would free, it would open up it would open up the team to play again because I think that's what we want to see from Spurs. We want to see Spurs joyful and playing. They've had three or four, three dour coaches in a row. Mourinho, Nuno, and now Conte. Can we just, just, it's not work, It's not in Spurs' DNA to play this way. Uh, speaking of teams to play this way, Chelsea's DNA is to play defensive. And they're still, like, getting to know you. Jao uh, Felix was great, but they, they played a 1-1 draw against West Ham. West Ham just out of the relegation zone. They get a good draw in a London derby, but this was really the early game at the London Stadium. I thought that Jao Felix was incredible, really fun to see him on a ball over the top from Enzo Fernandez. Really good stuff. Paqueta got hurt early. Uh, Socek came in, and he'll come into the game later. And then uh, Palmieri, you know, Palmieri scored a goal, former former Chelsea, on 28 to level it at one, and then it just kind of petered out. You know, all this possession, again, 71%, lots of passes, but nothing really unlocking, no connection yet. Uh, Mudrick didn't do much. He came off on 66 for Zayec, didn't have much going on. You know, 
still not shooting much. Only 12 shots, four on target. Not much going on for uh, Chelsea. And I worry for my friend, Mr. Graham Potter. You know, just not as much stuff as you'd like. Uh, I do like what I've seen from Fernandez. Led the team in touches. Led the team in carries. Trying to push the team forward. He and Reese James really push the team forward and see where they are. I still think that Mason Mount still has to be one of the players in this team. They're at their best there. You know, it's just he's got to get wins. The draws are not helping Chelsea. They've got to kick on. Uh, it's now winless in 10 for Chelsea, just not getting things done. I'm just going to look at their last few games, but it's definitely a bunch in a row without a win. Um, you know, it's, uh, let's see, three draws since the win at Crystal Palace. And then before that, they had three losses, one to City, one to Fulham. The Fulham loss, I think, was probably the nadir. The draw against Liverpool was fine. The draw against Fulham, you can't draw against Fulham. You've got to beat Fulham. So they're kind of sitting where they are a little bit listless. The win against Palace was was a little good. But then draws against, like, Nottingham Forest, I mean... Come on, dude. These are games you gotta you gotta put together. Uh, he had the nice bump in the Champions League when he came on, pushing through Milan and getting through the group. But since then, it's been quiet, and a lot of those wins were really because Kepa went nuts. Uh, and we've got to just find out where Chelsea are, how they can move themselves forward, and where they can get themselves back off the Schneido. Speaking of the Schneid, the great and powerful Schneid. Southampton, God. Uh, Mr. Jones has been fired. Uh, they're up a goal in their game. Cruising at home against Wolves, who were the lowest scoring team in the league. Um, Diaz, I believe, or I can't remember who it was. I'll, I'll look in a second. Gets himself sent off. And um, from there... I got, where is this game? Why am I losing? Oh, here we go. 2-1 Wolves. Uh, it's Mario Lamina gets himself sent off. He looks like Ruben Diaz because he's yelling at the ref on 27. So it's most of the game uh, up a man. Uh, Alcarez scores the goal to put, um, to put Southampton up, and they just don't even create anything. They have, they're a man up for an hour. And they only have 1.1 goal uh, expected goals. Just not good enough. Not good enough. Not even possessing the ball. Just a bitty, choppy game. They don't really do anything in this game. Nothing. Sulemana comes on. He takes six shots, none on target. You know, they, they do a, a set-piece routine where it's like, it's James Ward-Prowse. Just let him shoot. What are you doing? So Nathan Jones finds himself on the unemployment line. One of the most bizarre managers you'll see, just like this overly confident, like I know what I'm doing kind of thing, which works if you win. But if you're overly confident and you're losing, you're just an asshole. You know what I mean? Like just it's hubris. Like what, what are you doing? Just be calm, say the things you need to say, then get your wins and start talking shit. But he just couldn't seem to get his team on side. Seems like they blew their manager bounce on, on cup games, which is nice. 
You know, they got a couple extra games, but they needed those games to be in the league. And then we've got to talk about Lopetegui. Lopetegui basically takes over this Wolves team. And I've talked about it over and again, over again. Completely changed them. They've now got a way to play. They stuck together. They got a win. They scored two goals. This is a team that couldn't score any goals. Uh, you know, um, uh, Gomes scores the goal really good. And then, oh, I have to say, one of the goals for Wolves, the second goal, Sorry, the first goal is this OG by Jan Bednarik. And he's just like fumbling and slipping on the line and just falls over and kicks the ball in. Very much a goal that happens when you're going to get relegated. And I think Southampton are definitely getting relegated. But, you know, they'll have money. They'll have all their players. They'll be ready to come back up. Uh, rumor has it Jesse Marsh might take this job. Stranger things have happened. What is the U.S. soccer team doing? If you want Jesse March, you better give him the job now or he's going to have another job at Southampton like tomorrow. So they've got to hurry up and get that done. Um, got two more games to go. My friends from Brighton just bossed a shit out of crappy Palace. Really just kicked the shit out of them. But Sanchez, normally such a reliable keeper, drops the ball and James Tompkins and his amazing beard put it in. Um, Solly March is on fire. He scored his goal on 63. So Brighton looked like they were ready to go. They had this game in hand. And then, you know, Palace weren't creating anything. And Sanchez then drops the ball and gives them a gift. Um, so they just get lucky. Uh, my boys are not – my boys from uh, my boys from South London are really not creating anything. Decore and Hughes are never going to create anything. Jordan Ayew is just like – I don't know what he does. I don't know why he plays. He's a forward who doesn't score goals. So he's just there. Mateta never scores. Alise is so smooth. And he just kind of is just wants to look cool. But there's really nothing going on in terms of creation for um, for Crystal Palace without Eze and without, uh, I mean, Eze did come on. But without, without Zaha, they just know Zaha, no party. But um, the great and powerful Brighton, really bossed this game and probably should have won and are going to kick themselves because they should really look at themselves and think that they have a shot at the top four. Alexis McAllister, can I just tell you? Alexis McAllister took seven shots, three on target, and his expected goals was 1.4, and he got none. So let's just tell you <laughs> uh, very a very bright performance to have an amazing player just kicking ass and not doing anything. Uh, nothing from Matomo this time. Sad about that. You know, I love me some Matoma. Didn't really do much. The man who really kicked ass in this one was Estupian. He seemed to be everywhere. Had 91 touches, five tackles, two interceptions, you know, created three scoring chances just in a, and set up Solly March for his goal. So just an amazing performance by him. You know, they're just getting a lot of great performances out of their players. And you believe in them. They're, they, so whatever... Whatever Potter did, he left at Brighton, and it didn't come with him. And Deserby is looking like a genius, but maybe it's just Brighton. Maybe they have – maybe Tony Bloom, they've got that thing in line. They've got the whole thing running, and it's ready to tick over. Uh, the big one here, like I said, John Brooks as the VAR. He just completely yaks it because he drew a line on the wrong player for the um, – for the offside goal, and it, they didn't redo it. They went to VAR, called a goal that was perfectly onside, offside. Uh, I'm sure 
had the referees just called what was on the field, which was not offside, um, it was a goal, then it would have been a goal. But, you know, VAR is stupid. VAR is useless. And they ruined a perfectly good moment in a derby. So good for you, VAR. Way to go. Good job by you. Uh, I do want to give a little shout to the great and powerful uh, Tricky Trees of Forest. Sorry, Christian. Not a game that you guys win. I think Forest have scored only one goal away from home all season. So you'd expect them to go to Fulham and lose, and they did. Um, two goals from one from Willian, which was amazing. Willian just turned back the clock day, just tricky tree, top bins on the left foot. Just, just so class. Willian's just been a good player for a long, long time. He had a weird time with, uh, with Arsenal, but has really found himself again over in, um, in Fulham, just playing great. Didn't play great. Had all those great years at Chelsea, won the league twice, uh, being a major contributor to both those teams. But then, you know, just kind of took some time at Arsenal under that weird era, that early, early Arteta kind of weird fell off the team. But then tried to go back to Brazil, played two seasons, and then comes back with Fulham, and he's one of their best players. Uh, obviously, these players are never as old as they are. But you know, he started at 18 at Shakhtar, and now he's 33, and he's got the Brazilian age, which you know, I don't know <laughs> what happens there. Some tricky things go on with Brazilians. Uh, they like to, they do, they spend, they spend their legs dancing. I think is the issue, um, except for Fernandinho. Uh, but yeah, Willie on there, and then one from Solomon. He's somebody new. I didn't even know who he was. Came in for Fulham and scored the second. But Forrest just didn't get anything going. You know, losing. Losing Bali and um, wait, what is it? And McKenna in the first five minutes did not help. <laughs> so Worrell and Felipe have to come in. So you, can you imagine? You start a game and your just defense is gone, and then you know we just don't get much going on. So uh, there'll be other days for Forest. They've got their six point cushion, but I do worry for them. Uh, they do have to get. They've got it. They're so reliant on their home form that you've just got to make sure when you're Forest that you know you've got your 24 points you're six points above the relegation zone just keep getting those draws get a win and one win in three they're on six it's usually eight that gets you safety so eight is two more wins that'll put them on 30 and then a few more maybe it'll be nine this year maybe they need to get the nine wins they got to get one and three something like that so we'll see what what they can do their next game is the great and powerful Nottingham Forest. Oh, play Manchester City. Maybe not that one. Maybe that's not the game you're looking for. But you are at home. City will have played in midweek, so maybe there's a chance uh, for you. But maybe the the uh, the City machine starts to hum as we play some weaker opponents and play the back end of the season, play some of the teams we played earlier in the season, and get the wins there. We're getting very, very late in the day. And I do want to just touch on a couple of things that are happening. The Champions League is back. What? This season of never-ending football? Yes. I believe Spurs play tomorrow. PSG v. Bayern. No, no Messi, no Mbappe. That's not going to go well. Wednesday sees Dortmund and Chelsea. Liverpool Real Madrid is also on Tuesday. I didn't even cover that game. This is huge for Liverpool at home. They need a big lead. They need to win 3-0 if they think they're going to beat Real Madrid. But these are big boys playing big boy stuff. And then the great and powerful Napoli. Let's just go quickly through the schedule uh, before we go. So tomorrow we have 
PSG Bayern, Milan versus Tottenham. Wednesday, Club Bruges versus Benfica. That's not one anyone's going to follow. <laughs> and then Dortmund versus Chelsea. Then next week, Tuesday, excuse me. So Liverpool are free this week. They play Liverpool and Real Madrid, Eintracht, Frankfurt, Napoli, Inter, Porto, uh, and City back in action against Leipzig away. Uh, but that's next week. So this week's games, PSG, Bayern, Inter versus Tottenham. Dortmund, Chelsea, Club Bruges versus Benfica. Maybe uh, Spurs had their eye on Milan. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, anything else? Any more bets? Please like and subscribe. Please love the show. Please say hello to your friends. Please say hello to your mother for me. And uh, I'm going to take us out of here. That was the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with your host, Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Channel and presented exclusively by the Premier Streaming Network. We record on Mondays and Thursdays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Ever. If you're listening on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and review the show. I only have 25. Why don't I have 105? Come on, people. Get involved. Rate and review the show. It makes a huge difference, and we'll see you on Thursday.